I want to take a second to remind you to sign up for the Poso Daily Brief. It is completely free. It'll be one email that's sent to you every day. You can stop the endless scrolling trying to find out what's going on in your world. We will have this delivered directly to you totally for free. Go to humanevents.com slash Poso. Sign up today. It's called the Poso Daily Brief. Read what I read for show prep. You will not regret it. Humanevents.com slash Poso. Totally free. The Poso Daily Brief. what happens when the fourth turning meets fifth generation warfare. A commentator, international social media sensation, and former Navy intelligence veteran. This is Human Events with your host, Jack Posobiec. Deliver us from evil. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard to the third annual Human Events special strategy session with none other than the War Room Commander, Stephen K. Bannon. Steve, this may be the most monumental strategy session we've done because we usually do these, and it's the year-ender here, going into the new year, but this is the first time that we've done one going into a presidential election year. You know, Jack, I actually went back and checked uh, our forecasts and the strategy session from last year, and uh, I want to report to uh, the Human Events Daily audience, uh, you know, because Jack does such an amazing job. It turns out I was 100% right. Jack was about 50-50, so not bad. Let's we're, we're getting better, we're getting better. We're, 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 we're like Rush Limbaugh, we're increasing every day, the accuracy rating. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm glad to do this Thir third year. This is, here's the thing, every year's gotten more intense. I, yes. I don't think we were even accurate enough to talk about the intent intensity Look, of the we year said, that's come. We said 2023 would be rough. <laughs> wow. We had no wow. idea. Nothing. I had no idea. So so when you're looking out, you know, it's 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 the CEO's job to keep an eye on the horizon, to not just steer the ship, but to guide the ship. So what are what are the rocks, what are the challenges that you see? And as we sit here, we're recording it at America Fest. This this will this is airing now on New Year's. The 2024 election starts in two weeks. It's, I think it already started. Wow. Uh, it, look, this coming year, is, and that's why I think over the holidays, it's a good time to actually take a day or two off, you know, reflect on, on where you've been personally, uh, reflect on what your commitment to this movement is, what your commitment to, um, to saving the country, and, and, and what you're prepared to, to put into that as far as your being goes, because I think we're about to be tested. In fact, I know we're going to be tested this year. Like, uh, I don't think any generation has been tested or any group of people have been tested since either right before the Civil War or right uh, before and during the American Revolution. That's why I said at the speech the other night, 250 years ago, you know, a couple of days ago, was the 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. That's right. And there's it's direct lineage with this generation today that is really a revolutionary generation. But like those guys and men and women were tested and thank God in heaven, uh, they came through. We're gonna but be it's tested also. also. And, and the key is this, because the, the tea that was dumped into Boston Harbor was tea from the East British East India Company by way of Guangzhou, China. <laughs> exactly. Right, so the tea was from Guangzhou. And so you look at it. Nobody ever remembers that. Made in China yeah. tea, right? So. And, and you and I have talked about this, is the British Empire was just the globalist system of the time. 
And there's, there's a way to look at the American Revolution and the American founding as, yes, we know about the Declaration and the Rights of Man and Natural Rights and John Locke and all that, got it. But there's also a dimension to it of the establishment of the United States as a nation state yes. separate from the global system. There's a lot of parallels between that and the fight we find ourselves in today. That's absolutely brilliant. Brilliant point. I think if you if you if you talk to people who have majored in history or government or political science or have interest in these areas, you're, you're trained in high school and then really in college and in advanced courses to, to think about the uh, philosophers of the Enlightenment and different theoretical right, right. and 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 to get the the um, the learning and knowledge that went into the the Declaration of Independence. And I say, look, don't get me wrong. The Declaration of Independence is a divinely inspired document, but that was a group of sm smart lawyers who could not cut a deal with the king and made a decision, <laughs> made a decision to, to leave a, a, an empire that was on the ascendancy. Wait, right? wait, wait, and then, and then they couldn't get a loan. Couldn't get a loan. Couldn't get a loan. Couldn't get a loan. Not in the room, not in yeah, the deal. Call it, it got a somewhat of a loan from the French later. Later, caused after, their revolution. after, after, this thing after had a dominoes falling. After a little bit of money down. All about money and all about power. But it yes. was about money and gunpowder. Yes. Uh, remember, the whole fight at this, the, the uh, whole thing uh, was uh, a, a- whiff of grape shot. Whiff of grape, hold it. This thing was all about, remember the American colonists being Americans, <laughs> didn't want to pay taxes. That's right. It was to pay for the French and Indian War. Right, right. because the British said, hey, come on, man, we drove the French out of here, got the, got the, got the Mohawks off you. Which, uh, which I, by the way, you bring this up I guess up the around, Iroquois, got the Iroquois when off you, you. When you bring this up around Raheem, that's the first thing he goes to. 100%. The first thing he goes to is no, that you Americans don't pay your debts. <laughs> don't want to pay, don't pay taxes. Um, but no one looks at it as a part of an economic system. And, yes. and it, we're in a very similar situation today. You had a global empire with a, uh, a, a landed aristocracy Correct. that was quite arrogant and quite frankly not all that smart, but had, had tons of enforcers around them in the crown, plus monopolistic power of things like the British East India Company. Right. And, what, and what our framers said is that they, they saw that as tyranny. And they said, we'd rather split off and roll the dice in this vast wilderness. Right, with very little resources, major natural resources, but very few. But undeveloped resources. Undeveloped, very few human resources and not a lot of capital. And oh, by the way, the two other great empires sharing the same continent at the time. Yes. So you got the French. And Spain. And then you got Spain. Yes. And everybody wanted to carve this up. But that's why it's very similar today. This is about liberty and, and tyranny and breaking off from an American empire driven by an administrative deep state that no one ever intended, there was never a vote to do this. There was never a debate on whether they're going to do this. It just kind of happened, and that's what the deep state did. It's this fourth branch of government that the framers at the time, if, they, if the framers came back, they would sit there and go, well, we're with the AmFest guys, yeah. right? We're, we're, not with, we're not with the administrative state and the deep state. This is what we broke off from. That's the tyranny. Well, and we this is why from. you don't see many arguments about this in the Federalist Papers, the Anti-Federalist Papers. You don't. You you do see it. The one place you do see it is in the the litany of grievances of the Declaration that everybody skips over, right? The part because it's not as flowery. It's not as artistic. It's not as well. Poetic. Later, Hamilton's uh, report on manufacturers. Hamilton right? gets into ha it. Hamilton gets into a big league. He was. But, he was but a, it was something that was, was understood. A, That's my point. It was generally understood at the time. And of course, the more, you know, people have these interesting arguments about how we're going to set it up. We're going to have a king, no king, monarchy, central bank, no central bank. Huge questions, and that's why. But but why but is the, it but the, the, the central the, bank the becomes issues, the big fight? The issues are always the same thing. Yes, central bank, 
uh, an executive that is going to be a quasi-monarchy. They wouldn't right. want to make him a king, but maybe a emperor dictator for life. Well, you, so know what, no. you know what Jefferson called it, actually, what we ended up with, the presidency? They called it a Polish king. Because at the time, the Polish Commonwealth had a parliament with a king that had some powers, right, right. but not a lot. So they actually referred to the presidency as a Polish king. The big fight also was, as you just mentioned, the central bank. Yes. And that's, look, the central bank today, what, what the Treasury and the Federal Reserve is doing, they are willingly and knowingly sacrificing everybody under 35 years old right now to keep the apparatus going. Not just the Biden, illegitimate Biden regime, but to, to keep the established order continuing. They're prepared to destroy a generation and really treat them like Russian serfs. And, and you're seeing this uh, the massive infusion and printing of fiat currency, which is now out of control. Their debts will never pay back. Uh, there'll have to be a major restructuring. And they're defaulting, and they say, well, Steve, they're not defaulting. Your purchasing power of your fiat currency, that Federal Reserve note, that dollar, is dropped 20% on, under, under Biden. That's why even with inflation, core inflation up, I don't know, 9 or 10%, you, you've lost 20% of purchasing power because of interest rates increases, supply chain, all of it. And that is really the default. They're defaulting on well, the American see, um, men and women that are working class. And you can and look class. at personal debt. You can look at credit card debt. Unbelievable. Because people control. are putting everything on credit now. They're forced to. We have higher personal credit card debt right now, higher personal 1. debt 2 than trillion. any time yep. in American well, history. It's not, just the one, it's not just the face amount. You have 1.2 trillion of credit card debt at a 30% APR. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, this is usury. In most states, states, but they add the fees in there, so people can't do that. What, what Some countries is completely illegal. It's totally illegal. What you have now is you have a system set up with the decline in purchasing power and the infusion of legal immigration and illegal immigration. The wage, the wage drop, right? The real wage drop. You have people that are living pay, and I mean people with middle class jobs living paycheck to paycheck. They gap that with a credit card. Well, and they're oh, paycheck what, loan to paycheck loan. Pay, paycheck loan to paycheck loan, and you get to the end of the year, if you're somebody around, you know, between 30 and 40, you get to the end of the year, you get your annual bonus, that all goes to pay down your credit card debt and you start the game over again, right? You never accumulate any capital. It's one about, it's, it's, it's driven almost every bad thing in our society. This is one of the reasons you have such late family formation. Right. Because women are making a decision, hey, I don't know if this guy can handle the load here of, uh, of, yeah. of, of marriage and a couple of kids, right, and, and a home. So that's why you're seeing later and later family formation. That's where you're seeing smaller families. This all rolls through the demographic problem. And, but you've never seen a leadership of, a, of generations ever sacrifice. America's always been the opposite. It's always been take the pain now look, for when, the future. Because, because look, when we had the depression, when we had the depression, and I spoke to Tucker about this, it's we were a slightly different country. Slightly different. And people slightly came together. Different. People came together yes. because we had social cohesion. Look, the house I grew up in, uh, it was built in 1900. It was the same house my father grew up in, right outside of Philly. And row home, workers home. And you know what they did? They split it all up into apartments. You, all, you moved in together, family moved in together. You rented some places. The room my brother, that was my brother's bedroom growing up used to be a kitchen. It was a second kitchen. And that's what you did. You helped out each other, neighbor helped out neighbor, and you did what you had to do. Because you had the parish, you had the local uh, the parish, Knights, the Knights, synagogue, Knights, Knights of Columbus, Columbus. You, yes. had the, you had the civic, civic groups. groups, you had the, the ancient order of Hibernians, Hibernian. the AOH. What, 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 
Burke called the little divisions that, that the undergird, divisions, yes. undergird civic society, you had that cohesion. Also, let's be blunt, in, if you look at the uh, draftees in 1942, right after Pearl Harbor. <laughs> look at some of those pictures. Well, no, look at the picture, everybody's ripped, right? On, but I think testosterone count in the draftees was 2,200. Dude, it's through the roof. 20, 20, the testosterone count in draft average, an average draftee in World War II, I think was 2,200. Average test, testosterone a day to recruit in the military, I think 625. Yeah. I mean, it's orders of magnitude. That's all diet, it's the way you live. Because you look and they're eating eggs, steak, yes. and it's all real back and then. And they're all working. And they're all right. working. They're, they're, you gotta, you gotta no fake put food, your shoulder no to GMOs, something. any of it. And, totally and different country. The issue though then, Steve, that I look at is I say, what You're happens- You're telling me with 10,000 illegal alien invaders every day across the border that are welcomed here and processed in, that we're not the same country? With 10 million, so nine, what happens nine million illegal when a country like that, the invaders, the migrants, the people they've brought in, the people they've shipped in, the refugees, everything that we've seen, now the economy falls out. Now, let's say 1929 happens again. You're not going to see those little divisions again. You're going to see big divisions. Look, I, I gave a speech in Pinehurst about a month ago, and I said, here's what the speech is going to be about. We are going to look down range to the afternoon of 20 January, 2025. Yes. And what will be the first two tasks in front of us? One is the financial crisis caused by this massive government overspending driven by the elites in the country. The other is the at least identifiable 10 to 12 million illegal alien invaders that come yes. in just on Biden's watch. There, to me, there has to be a, uh, a hard line taken. All invaders have to leave. They have to go home. All of them, not just the criminals, not just the mentally ill. The President Trump says, you know, the insane asylums, that, yes, that, but that's a small portion. Every, they all have to go home. If we don't do that, we don't have a country. And in addition, you have to start to have massive cuts in discretionary spending. And I mean defense, but also the social programs. And so if you combine, before you can talk about entitlements. Well, but this is why they come. You cannot have 100%. open borders plus a welfare state. Fair state. You yes. cannot. Well, that's, and so I want people to think what, what America is going to be like when Donald Trump has to enforce the policies that must be enforced to save this republic. And, he, and that's it, why he says it's day one. And it's day one. Massive, it has to be massive cuts to, uh, to, to discretionary spending. When people tell you, oh, we can't get to it because it's all, you know, mandated, uh, you know, payments and entitlements, they're lying to you. They don't want to make the cuts. American people are prepared. American people are prepared to uh, are prepared to have uh, are prepared to um, have a, a discussion about entitlements. But what they have to have first, they have to see that you're serious about cutting discretionary spending, and they have to see that you're, quite frankly, uh, prepared to raise massive taxes on the billionaire class. The progressive billionaires that have forced the country into all these problems, the progressive billionaires that have paid, give to all these NGOs, the progressive billionaires that back the Southern Poverty Law Center and ACLU and all of it, they should have massive tax increases because I guarantee you one thing, the day you start going after their money, they will back off of forcing these social programs on you. The only way to back them off and to break them is to take their money. And the only way to start taking their money is to start taking it through taxes. This, is what, this is what, uh, what uh, Glenn Greenwald says he gets in trouble about when he brings up you and he brings up Tucker and he says, you know, I think those guys are kind of socialist, but only towards one demographic. 
One demographic, okay. the elites. In, in the 1950s, this country was pretty cohesive, yes. right? The marginal tax rate, the marginal tax rate for our highest earners was 95%. There wasn't a huge gap between my father, who was a foreman at the phone company at the time, and the CEO of AT&T. There was a gap, but it was, I don't know, 10 to 1 or 20 to 1. Now it's five million to one. It's, it's not. It's not comprehensible. We, no, we've and, and they're not paying it anyway. We've turned from entrepreneurial capitalism, and we've turned from really free market capitalism to what's called finance capitalism. Well, this is the, why the returns to capital far outweigh what returns to labor. I am. I'm. The, I am not a socialist. In fact, I'm an entrepreneur. I believe in entrepreneurial capitalism. We do not have entrepreneurial capitalism in this country. We have state capitalism. We have basically a. a or is that system that the Chinese Communist Party has perfected? Well, you know, at this, at this conference here at America Fest, there's actually been an, an undercurrent and a through line from speaker to speaker to speaker who have talked about this. And I haven't seen any headlines on it yet, but I noticed Tucker said it because Tucker said libertarian economics was a scam for the, from the 1%, and he said that Occupy kind of had it right. Then we had who? We had Patrick Bet David who's not a conservative, he's not a political guy, but he came up and he talked about zombie corporations. And he said, do you know what a zombie corporation is? This is a corporation that only exists by borrowing. And he said, all of these companies, they all get their money from the Fed, it's all paper, and it's all taken from you, it's taken from the, the borrowing power of the US dollar, and these companies exist, and they continue to exist. And so I hear it from Tucker, then I hear it from Patrick Bet David, you've Admittedly mentioned it once or twice, a couple, in the, of, a couple, times, a couple of times couple of, in the past. No, and, but, and, but it, there's something moving in the movement where people are starting to realize that the money flow, and we see the colleges, we see the colleges now. So where the money flow is coming this way, where if you went to this crowd, 100%. and if you went, by the way, and if you went to like a CPAC crowd a decade ago and said and said on. taxes, no, ooh, no, ooh, no, ooh. No, they would but freak now, out. But no, now they were freak out. I met when Rush Limbaugh gave his speech in yeah. 2009. He it's it's a great speech. I love his speech, but he took the side of the banks. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember. 100%. He took the side of the banks, and he, I think Rush the was a great guy. But he was very, he was very into called neoliberal neoliberal neocon. Look, I've got an audience of Russian serfs. I think I can sell them on tax increases for the oligarchs that are destroying their life. Let me be blunt: the oligarchs in this nation, the lords of easy money on Wall Street in the Federal Reserve, in the Treasury Department, in the administrative and deep state, in Silicon Valley, only care about themselves, okay? They are going to bury a generation. And this is why Trump's poll numbers are shifting. This is why people 25, we're not there with the under 25 year olds yet because they, the, the real world hasn't bitch slapped them yet, okay? But when you get to 25 to 35 and you understand you're not gonna own a house, you're, not gonna, you're, not, you're never gonna be where your parents are in any stage of their life, that you're always falling behind and the harder you work, the more you fall behind, that generation will listen and say, well, hang on for a second. How do we get in this situation? The system is rigged against the good householder. If you're a good householder in this system, you're a sucker, right? That's not what America was based upon. That's what it is today. If you're a good householder, you're a sucker. All your taxes go to pay for this mess, which they just have an increase in the concentration of wealth among the top 1% or top 5%. You, you pay your taxes, they take your pension fund, and what do they do? They ship the, the Larry Finks of the world, ship the high value added jobs to China, and oh, by the way, to support the American empire, the security guarantee given to Europe, 
given to the Gulf Emirates, right, the Saudis and UAE, to given to the South China Sea and up in Japan and Korea is underwritten by the American taxpayer. It's your sons and daughters in the Hindu Kush on patrol. It's your sons and daughters in the Persian Gulf and those combatants on patrol. It's your sons and daughters at the Third Army in Germany. It's your sons and daughters at the DMZ in Korea. The deplorables, the entire system rests on their shoulders. And now their children understand that. This system cannot go on, and this is why they hate Trump, and this is why they're trying to put Trump in jail for 700 years. It's not that Trump's perfect. In fact, President Trump would probably disagree with at least two-thirds of my belief in economics. And to give you a fact, in June of 2017, we had intense fights in the Oval Office because I was advocating at the time a tax increase for the top bracket, right? right. I said, first of all, they don't pay taxes anyway. So if you increase it, it's just optics, and, and it'll get the heat off of people trying to take their assets, so let's do it. That was leaked. The next day in the Wall Street Journal, basically did an editorial, Steve Bannon must be taken out and shot, right? Because, oh, yeah. he, well, because he's no, mentioned- I remember this whole thing. Ta you, got, you got your buddy Gary Cohn. Gary Cohn. First off, globalist Gary. By the way, I had IBM now, IBM. Three progressive Democrats, Steve Mnuchin, Jared Kushner, and Gary Cohn, who sat there, and it was like, you know, I had burned holy writ. I said, no, the top 1% doesn't get a tax cut. The middle class and the working class get a tax cut. We're gonna have a tax increase. And I said, politically, it takes care of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, they're done. You'll be a hero to the people. Yep. And the firestorm that came in, and President Trump actually considered it. That's what they were worried about. He actually thought about it until they came and said, hey, the economy's gonna crash, all this capital's gonna leave. Now, one last thing. Their argument's gonna be, if you increase taxes on the billionaires, they're, they're going to take their money out of the country. No, they're not. They have no, we can put tight, hey, do they take their money out of China? Now, I'm not saying we go to the CCP type, type uh, system. However, since the elite have adopted the rest of the system, right, of social credit score. They want all the China they want, model, they, they the whole the, China model, except, the facial recognition, except, the Except the capital can go anywhere. The libertarian model was a scam, and here's why. It was funded by the Kochs and the billionaires open borders, a free flow of capital, that you can't build a nation around that. A nation has to have its sovereignty, has to have its borders, and not just that, has to have its capital. If you just reinvested American capital into America jobs, this would be paradise. Look, look well, here's, what I, say, here's paradise. what I say, there's a reason that Detroit looks the way that it does and Shanghai looks the way Amen. that it does. That was all American capital. Amazing. This idea, Amazing. the greatest lie of the CCP, and they have a lot, but the greatest lie is that they are the ones who built China from nothing into what it is now. They did not do that. That was Western capital, Western financial institutions. And, and Western technology. Western technology. It all starts Tiananmen Square. We did the China files last year. We walked through all of it. The system of globalism was birthed out of the seeds of the blood of the cobblestones of Tiananmen Square, the 4,000 students. And that same fight is going to be, 2024 is very simple. Forget Republican and Democrat. Those are, if you're thinking in those terms, you're thinking of old politics. This is populist nationalism versus elite globalism. And if you see Republicans that are not in our camp, they're by and large elite globalists. The Mitt Romneys of the world, the people in the Senate, right? The Nikki Kevin McCarthy. Haley. Nikki Neocon Nikki. Neocon Nikki. Neocon, neoliberal Neocon Nikki. No, no, listen, Nikki, Nikki Haley's biggest donors right now are some of the most radical anti-Trump Democrats. What did you think? Reed Hoffman. What did you think when Jamie Dimon came out at the New York Times summit. She'd be a great president. 
and said she'd be a great president, and we've all got to back her. One of the fights we're going to have, a big fight, will take place in the spring, will be they're going to try to force Nikki on the ticket to say Trump needs a woman, Nikki on the ticket, she balances things, and she can bring together that 15% of never-Trumpers in the Republican Party. We're going to have to have that fight. If Nikki Haley is in this administration in any capacity, it will fail. Well, she's, she's a viper. She's a viper. And once she gets in there, she'll try to run it as prime minister. She'll try to be Dick Cheney. Uh, to, she'll try, her to Trump will be just like Dick Cheney to Bush. That's but, what she'll but try Steve, to do. Steve, I have to ask you, because Richard Barris issued a warning about this, a very specific warning, and he went even further. Barris's warning was this. He said, you put her in as vice president, and they will find someone to Lee Harvey Oswald Trump, get him out of there, and make her the president in his stead. And he said, if she becomes VP, that guarantees they're going to take a shot at him. I got to tell you, the, the, we have to put on the table because Robert Kagan, uh, uh, one of the senior most thinkers in the neocon, uh, you know, vertical, the husband. There's of, a lot of columnists at the Washington Post. Right. Robert Kagan, who's married to Victoria Nuland. As Victoria uh, Darren Beatty calls her the uh, the color revolution dominatrix. Right. So so these are the architects of the Ukraine war, 100%. the architects of the Maidan coup, who ran right sector, shooting the students in Maidan Square, Amen. Ukraine, Ukrainian students in a false flag to say, oh, Yanukovych did that. Now we got to come in. Now we got to throw them out. Right. They've killed people before. Oh, these people are bloody. These people are vicious, brutal, vicious. They're vicious. I don't and ambitious. I do not trust them, and I don't put anything past them for a second. So when you have Robert Kagan, who runs the Institute for the Study of War, which is basically neocon wet dreams, that is li still lying to you, by the way, saying Ukraine's just about to win. Two more weeks. No, just two, two more weeks. weeks. Just another, about to win. A, a, another, a, win another, a couple a winner, more billion. A winner, a couple a more winner, billion. A winner mini offensive. <laughs> winner mini offensive. A couple We're more billion. We're almost to Crimea. A couple more billion. It'll be all right. When he tells you that Trump's a dictator and Trump's a Julius Caesar, we know what he's this saying. This is very serious, and everybody should read this piece. They basically took Caesar and Caesarism. This is what they accused Abraham Lincoln of. This is what the, 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 the elements of the Southern Confederacy uh, accused him of being a warlord, which you could argue, hey, he had to do what he had to do. But they argued this case of Caesarism. It was one of the reasons that uh, John Wilkes Booth Remember, the Booths were the most famous acting family in the country at the time. It'd be like uh, Kirk Douglas and his son, Michael Douglas, or something at that level. And he had played Brutus many times. They were yes. the greatest Shakespearean actors, not in England. And they were very uh, drenched in, uh, in Roman history, in Shakespeare's interpretation of Roman history. And so Lincoln had been portrayed in the South as Caesarism, a dictator. And that dictators, you make the intellectual argument and the moral argument, that just like they did in the Roman Senate with actually some pretty good guys. In fact, Caesar's best friends. Brutus was like a son to him. The other, people, the other guys around him, many of the conspirators were quite close to Caesar. But once you make the intellectual case that we're about to lose the Republic because the strongest among us, right, all of a sudden sees the ability to take over a rotting institution and turn it into a dictatorship, you make the moral judgment. Moral, the, the cover, the picture in the Washington Post had a, had a statue, I think, of Caesar with Trump coming up through yeah. it, okay? Yeah. And it made an intellectual moral argument for his assassination. 
any, if anybody had done that, in, in, uh, if they had done that human events daily, or if Raheem Kassam had done that over a national poll, so Charlie Kirk had talked about that with Obama or with Biden, trust me, the Secret Service be kicking down your door the next day, and they want to know who you talked to, who saw a draft, let me see your emails, let me see your phone records, and they'd haul you in, and, and you would be prosecuted. Look, this they, should be prosecuted this, right Steve, now. They were doing this before, the same week that Steve Scalise got shot, they were doing this Shakespeare in the Park, yes. Julius Caesar, my friend Laura, you were there, you my were friend there. Laura and I went and did a little, little, They did a version of Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, which actually should be labeled Brutus because it's really the story of Brutus. It's the story of the conspirators, and they who, had Melania with them too. They, they had, they had it, they had at the end scene. It was Trump in a blue suit and a, and a tie with a guy blonde hair and Melania. Let me tell you something. I never and saw he was a bloody never, assassination it on was, the stage. It was, and I, I got up to that scene. I didn't see how it ends, past because uh, I was asked to leave. Um, <laughs> there by, were extenuating the circumstances by the NYPD. But by the way, Jack you, left. Jack left. Laura Loomer threw down harder. Laura, well, no, Laura, Laura Loomer. I said, I said, hey, Laura, let's get out of here. They're going to arrest us. And then she sees, she goes, how many viewers do we have? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> let's no. keep going. No. She sees it as an opportunity for right, traffic. Right, 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 right. Uh, we, we love Laura. And, and, but Steve, let me tell you something. It was the most bloody, brutal depiction. It was like a Quentin Tarantino, like Reservoir Dogs-esque scene. And all of these people, and I remember, they're clinking stand, their bracelets stand, together, stand, stand ovation. clinking their bracelets and laughing, laughing, and laughing as they Mocking. stabbed him. And I said, you know what? This is how you prepare. This is how you prepare a populist. Not 100%. Not 100%. Predictive programming. 50%, 45% enough, plus all the organs of power to normalize <laughs> political violence, why, why? whereby in they'll say, well, we don't support it, but it had to be done. Why are they doing this now? You ask the question, why are they doing this now? And they this brought it back around. And now they've taken up a level, because now- And by the way, Steve from, Scalise got shot that week. that week. The next night, and this is what everybody misses, the next night is when Laura and I did that, after Steve Scalise got Unbelievable. shot. Unbelievable. Here's the reason they're doing it. And here's the reason they're gonna ramp this up, because of AmFest. They're smart people. They look out here and they see a cadre of 15,000 that are coming together. They see the quality of the speakers. They hear the message coming time and time again. They see the audience out here and the audiences show on social media how smart they are and ahead of the curve like you and Charlie and I talked. You gotta work so hard to be ahead of the audience because their knowledge base is so strong today. They understand that this movement is ascendant. They understand this movement's got real power and force in back of it. They are, think right now, if we don't do something, and that is decapitate leadership, that's one of the reasons they're coming after O'Keefe and Rudy and myself and everybody, Charlie Kirk with the, the stories and another hit piece on Charlie. They're trying to decapitate the leadership, figuring that the sheep will just go off. They're now, putting our meme guys in jail. They're putting the meme guys. <laughs> yeah, by by the way, the meme guy gets six months uh, in federal prison for uh, saying, putting up a funny meme about Hillary Clinton. Which, by the way, the I'll, I'll throw it out there, the point of that meme was election integrity. Focusing on election integrity, saying the Democrats are gonna crack election integrity and make it so that you can vote by mail, vote by phone, vote from everything. That was the point of the meme. They put him in jail, because he got their number. President Trump has to be very careful. The, um, the security has to be much better, I yes. think. Much better. 
tighter Mar-a-Lago everywhere. Everybody should be assuming all the time that there are forces out there, dark forces out there that have made a decision. That decision is that Donald J. Trump, regardless of what votes say, will never return to the White House in control because they understand once he gets back in, it's game over, right? right? The, the taking on the deep state, his knowledge base today, the knowledge base of people around him. You even see it on the TV shows. They say what worries them when they're talking about all these, you know, heritage working this, Russ Vogt working this, uh, people throwing names up. They're saying, oh, my God, these guys actually are competent. At first they said we had malfeasance and incompetence in, in the first term. Now they just say it's malfeasance because the team knows what it's doing and knows where the bodies are buried. So that's why the game, and that's why the, my number one project, projection for 2024 is nobody knows nothing, right? We have no earthy idea how this is going to turn out except you have a irresistible force meeting you know, a, a massive resistance. And so this is going to collide. And remember, there's no negotiating, right? What, what we demand on the return to the original American Republic is non-negotiable. What they've done and what they've done is non-negotiable to them. So that's where we are. One side's going to win and one side's going to lose. And they, for the first time, the first time you can smell the fear. And then yeah. here's the biggest tell. Think about it. In the NDAA, as much as we were fighting on FISA and FISA, you know, the FISA thing and all the, and the cuts and all the woke and right, weaponized right, right. back in, what did they slip in at the very last second? They slipped in with no debate in the House. In fact, I don't think the House ever saw it. The Senate slipped in a law that says a president, for the first time in our history, that a president doesn't have the ability to unwind a treaty by himself on NATO that Trump, that shows you how nervous they are. Wow. That shows you how certain in their own mind Trump's coming back, right? And what they have to do is make sure you can't touch precious Ukraine, right? Here's why Ukraine, when we pick the scab on Ukraine, what Victoria Nuland and this crowd have done in Ukraine in the last 10 or 15 years, the money laundering, the child trafficking, right? The bio labs. Child that, that, organ trafficking traf too. Child organ trafficking. What has happened in Ukraine they understand puts them out of business, and we find that forever. That's why they use Ukraine to impeach Trump, to try to get it onto him, right? They understand that Ukraine is, uh, what is it, Pro on the Nixon film, Project Mongoose, yes. right, which was the assassination of, uh, the invasion of Cuba and the assassination of Castro. That's the modern mongoose. There's so many bodies buried underneath there, and oh, they came there by playground, and, and this has been, the goal has always been because Kagan, Newland and all of those neocon neolibs. You know what they really are? They're the Trotskyites. They're the Trotskyites. And what happened to Trotsky? Trotsky gets out. Got a right? knife in the head. He got. He gets ice picked down in Mexico. But the other Trotskyites, they've been obsessed with Russia ever since. Obsessed. Oh, this is very important. This is because very, they on, are obsessed. I want to make sure you guys understand this. Control. When we go of back Russia. to okay, when we Which, talk and about they almost got it in the nineties. When 90s. we talk about neocons. The neocons are all former Trotskyite, mainly Jewish intellectuals, right, who are hardcore Trotskyites, who actually, when the Soviet Union went the non-Trotskyite way, became neocons, right, and became huge defense intellectuals that really did, Kissinger and others, that did a, a big shaping of American foreign policy, particularly after the Vietnam War in this confrontation with the Soviet this Union. This is what everybody gets. It's, it's, it, they and that's say, where well, you were fighting the Soviet Union. I thought you were anti-communist. Not exactly. 
we're well, anti why, that communist. Listen, all these people today, they're all over Russia, all over, you know, the, the Democrats that want these big spending bills in Ukraine, all of these people fought Reagan. They didn't have any interest in taking down the Soviet Union. They didn't have any interest. Nobody, no Democrat had Reagan's back. When Reagan said, hey, how about this? We win, they lose, right? And we bring all the forces together without actually having to have kinetic warfare. None of these, none of the people are the, are the parents of the people you see up there pushing Ukraine. Not one of them had Reagan's back whatsoever. And so that's why it's totally phony. It's something far deeper, far deeper than uh, they, they, they believe, and this is a, a complete distortion of history. The only allies, and I mean true allies, that the American people have had in the 20th century, the bloodiest century in mankind's history that will be looked at as a dark age in generations to come. 250 million at least people brutally murdered, starved to death, the worst types of, you know, Holocaust, the, the, the was the Holodor in, in Ukraine. Holodor. Holodor, the, the worst creations using technology to destroy mankind. We had two allies, two true allies. The Russian people and the Chinese people, not their leadership. Wow. The, 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 Joseph Stalin, and we overarmed Stalin for the last two years. Yep. The communists that were in the FDR administration, the communists in the State Department, McCarthy called them all out. Joe McCarthy's a hero. He the called ones all of it out. That gave them yes. China. Yes. We gave China to Mao Zedong. It was a Mao group of bandits. Wiped he was a group of, it was abandoned. One was bombing in the run, one bo bombing run by the flying Ridic tigers, yeah, at, and there's amen. no CCP. And we could have taken down Joseph Stalin. Why, why did we not take Berlin? Why did we not go in and save Eastern Europe? Why, after all that yep. fighting and all that money? And the Brits were our allies, but the Brits were trying to save the empire. They, they were up front what they were in it for. Churchill was in it for. The allies that took the brunt, look, in a war of 125 million casualties, 150, the, the, the Russian people and the Chinese people took 80 million casualties, 80 million dead, all their cities destroyed to, to, to stop fascism, right? This right. is why this thing in Ukraine is a joke. Two-thirds of the Ukraine, Ukrainian people that are fighting today on the side of the West were, uh, were fighting for the Wehrmacht. Right, they're 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 Nazis. They their their parents were Nazis. Their grandparents were Nazis. Which oh by the way, with the exception of the grandfather <laughs> of Zelensky, who fought in the Red Army, one hundred percent. He fought in the Red Army because he's Russian. And now they come around Scam. and they'll turn around and say, "You fought against these guys. Who are you with now? The ugly, who's your grandson with now? The American people are going to demand an accounting. When you see what you're." 150 billion already dollars have gone to, to finance. When you've seen what these oligarchs have done, when you see the child trafficking, when you see the child organ trafficking, the when you see labs. the biolabs, but Victoria Newland couldn't even answer a question. And, that's, and it was Victoria Newland again. Victoria Newland couldn't answer Marco a question. Marco Rubio, he gave Marco, her a layup. He gave her a layup. layup. Couldn't well. answer. Senator, I think we need to go in closed session with that, right? When you see what's happening in Ukraine with your money, and remember, Biden's been over grabbing with two hands the entire time. The Clintons have been over there no, grabbing the, with the two hands. The beak of the vulture. The vulture's yes. beak in Ukraine. Steve, a couple of minutes left here. Oh, by the way, the only guy to stand up to it was Donald Trump, who asked the guy, hey, 100%. look, hey, look, you got a corruption problem there? Yeah, you're like the third most corrupt nation on earth. I need you to kind of work through this corruption thing before we send you any more money. And they impeached him on a truly perfect phone call. For asking him about it, right. And that's why, that's why I've said, if there's anyone they take out before Trump, it'll be Zelensky. Because they, they've, already, they've already played the okay. hero card, they're out of that. Look, the last card they have left on him is the martyr Zelensky card. lectured you and me particularly. Zelensky went to Davos and he had this big stage thing and he said, they're talking like a big shot. He goes, he goes, 
People in America and West should uh, read the memoirs of World War II and understand more about World War II before they start talking about the situation. I go, dude, I have forgotten more about World War II than you will ever know. But I told him a book I recommended, David Halberstrom's The Best and the Brightest, particularly the chapter on President Diem of uh -oh. Vietnam. When the, uh -oh. when the CIA is finished with you, you're a done deal. They call, that, they, the, they the call that the CIA says, hey, early. We got the plane. When the CIA tells you, hey, get the family, we got the plane on the tarmac, you just got to get in the truck, get the whole family in the truck, the, the panel truck, and we're going to take uh, you to the plane. We call that uh, yeah. the, uh, we call it, we ask Barry Steele about that. <laughs> Poor Barry Steele. They call that the CIA early retirement plan, Early Steve. retirement plan. Early retirement Zelensky, plan. Zelensky, when they tell you they got the plane on the tarmac, Make sure yeah, you go. It's, make it's, make it's sure like, you take the subway. You go down. Yeah. Don't take don't the ask, subway. Don't get ask, a token. Get a token. Don't ask what happened to yeah, President call in, Afghanistan. Call an Uber. Well, call remember an Uber. that President in Afghanistan? We don't, yeah, we don't yeah, talk yeah, about what happened to President no. Afghanistan when the Taliban no. are racing towards the palace and he's putting all the gold bars Look, in the suitcases. We've never had the answers on the assassination of DM four weeks before Kennedy. We never had the answers on Kennedy, on uh, on Bobby Kennedy, on Martin Luther King. You're telling me some guy from a prison, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. A guy, about, a guy from, about, a, guy from about, a prison laundry just went out and shot him. And Malcolm X, Malcolm X, Malcolm X, all of them. You have no earthy idea what the administrative state has done. You know they're cold-blooded in their own interest. They will protect their own interests, and that's why we must be the Praetorian Guard to protect President Trump and say, if it, just like in The Godfather. You remember in that scene, he says, and my son Michael, if he comes back and he sees, you know, to stumble in the street and get hit by a car or fall off a building, you know, I will know something's going on, and that's with Trump. We have to have his back and do a throwdown. We dare you to do anything to him because you'll pay a price that is unbelievable. If they come for him, if they come to arrest him in Mar-a-Lago, if they come to throw down, what happens if Trump says he don't go? He doesn't he said, go. I'm not going. He's not going to go. First of all, he's not going to get found guilty. And if they think they're going to get some jury, Jack Smith is psycho. He's going to get some, some jury, some rigged jury with this disastrous federal uh, judge and find him guilty on something. And they're hurrying up, hurrying up. they got to do it for Election Day. If they think that we will tolerate accepting that, they got another thing coming because it's not going to happen. Donald J. Trump is going to be reelected in a landslide, the 47th president of the United States, and they're going to have to live with it. Let me ask you... This is, this is my biggest worry. We talked about this before because we've just done a series here. All, we went through all the communist revolutions. Last year we did China, but this year we did Russia, we did Spain, we went through, we went through France, which was a proto, sort of a proto-Marxist revolution. We did the 60s revolution here in the United States. It always starts with what? The disaffected peasantry rising up, the refusal of the authorities to conduct these days you would say wealth reform, in those days you would say land reform because land, same idea. They always use this, what happens if they go to that, turn it on again? And remember, the banks did this after Occupy. They said, whoa, 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 it's not the banks, it's the white people, it's, it's, it's the go to systemic racism. racism. Go to racism. They go yeah. to racism. What happens, we have to have, what do we, we do when that gets turned we, on we again have, we have to, in 24? We have to, the difference now, you got war room. We can break down the economics of capital markets and what the central bank's doing to inform the people. The reason they don't want anybody to understand how the system works, the reason you don't learn it in college, you don't learn it, it they, no TV show talks about it, CNBC doesn't talk about it, they understand. When working and middle class people understand how the system works, they're gonna say, this is the screwiest thing I've ever heard of. 
all the weights on my shoulder and I get none of the VIG, I get none of the upside. So that's the difference. And that's why you have an empowered, this can only succeed with an empowered, emboldened, urgent, populist movement. And that's informed. what, and that's what, informed. And that's what they've never, they've never had. Last thing is that uh, when Nixon went to, uh, to Russia, or went to China, China with Mao Zedong, Cho Enlai was his right hand man, Henry Kissinger there. There's a little law in the conversation as they're talking. And Kissinger goes to Cho Enlai, he says, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the, uh, on like, just like Jack thing, talking about revolutions, what are your thoughts on the French Revolution? Sean Lai looks at him, thinks, he goes, too early to tell. Truer words were never spoken. The French Revolution is the model for all of it, right? The, the Chinese, they, the CCP has only been in power about 100 years, but the Chinese have a history and a mindset that goes thousands of, 70 years. 70 years. That goes thousands of years. Thousands. Thousands, yeah, 2049 is their target. So it goes thousands of years. They're planning in terms of epochs. That's where Epoch Time gets their name from, yes. by the way. They yes. plan in terms of epochs. We plan in these like four-year little spurts. They're running the table. They've got bricks. They've got our leaders. They've got our oligarchs. Steve, what do we got? We've got uh, the American people. An informed American people. We, but we have nothing else, trust me. We've got a, we got a model of a republic that work, and we have the cussedness, grit, and determination of a people that have done more and pulled off more miracles than any nation on earth. And now is the biggest, this, this country's never been more imperiled because the way the CCP looks at it, by 2049, their calculation, they'll have, uh, if we don't close the border and don't send the invaders home, they figure they're gonna have 50 to 100 million Chinese nationals here, CCP, not, not Lao Beijing, not, not the heroes trying to fight them, their own, and then you're gonna have to deal, for, deal with it from the inside. So we've got to fight in front of our hands. And remember, there's no going back. We're either gonna win this or we're not gonna win it. And the only way we can't win it if we stop fighting. If we refuse to stop, we will win. If we stop, if we if we're, if we're become afraid what they want, if they break us, the country's gone. If they don't break us, they had every available, they had the banks, they had Hollywood, they had the media, they had Congress, they had the White House, they had the military, they had everything. In January 21, they had everything. And look where we are today. We've turned this around with literally nothing, right? A couple of shows, people listening, becoming force multipliers. And now we got them on their back heel that they're scared to death. And they say, we got to take out the cult leader, right? And they're scared to death of what they're facing right now. They're legislatively already making changes. So Trump's going to be handcuffed from the day he comes in there. That shows you they're scared. That shows you we're ascendant. That shows you we're winning. When I, when I look around at America Fest, when I go to war room events, when we do human events events, you know, and I see the people, and then and you hear, you hear how, how Hillary, and we were at Cipriani's the other night, you know, and she calls them deplorables, and she says, these are the, these are the workers, you know, we don't need these people. You remember, remember the Patriot? You remember when they go down to that, that inn that's out in the swamp? And he's there, and it's Heath Ledger's the son with with Gibson, and he and he and he turns to his dad. He said, "Father, are we sure these are the type of men we need?" <laughs> you remember what he says? He says, "Son, 
these are exactly the type of men we need. And Amen. he organized them all into the Swamp Militia, Amen. the Swamp Fox. Amen. They come back and they keep, and he becomes the ghost. Yep. And he becomes the ghost. Look, that when I look at the aristocracy and they keep looking at it, they say, how, do we, how does this guy keep winning? How does this guy keep winning? It's, because, it's as simply as that. He's got truth on his side. He's got grit on his side. And I believe he had God on his side. Amen. Providential. Providential. Steve. You know, you always ask people where to go to follow you, but I feel like, I feel like people know at this point. Let me Warren ask you this, final question. Get her. Are you, gonna, are you ever going to get on X? No, I'm banned for X. For, War Room's banned in perpetuity from X because of our stance on the Chinese What if Communist we could Party. get you unbanned? In, 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 impossible. No interest. No interest. No interest. None. I'll let, wow. my, I'll let, I'll let my subalterns be on X. <laughs> he's, 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 a, he's a trans, all you fanboys, he's a transhumanist, but hey, time will tell. Elon Musk is not the top five issues. Uh-oh. Hey, happy new year. Tanya and the boys are the best. This guy's the best father. What a family. The wife's amazing, right? Thanks. And also shows you Belarus, an ally. So... Happy New Year, brother. Glad the third year in a row we're doing this. Now a tradition. Now a tradition. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.